0: Welcome to Another Day with Jesus. The power is where it's always been. The Word of God is alive. You are listening to challenging devotions and heart-inspiring conversations with Pastor Priji and Rajmi Varghese. Visit www.pastorpriji.com for more resources.
1: Welcome to Another Day with Jesus. This is our Saturday specials where we have a question-answer session with Pastor Priji if you have any questions, email them to info at Moving on to our first question.
0: Before, before we move on, I have to actually introduce Shirley. Shirley is, uh, uh, in fact, Rashmi's brother's wife. Uh, and she's on the podcast this morning. And uh, she's going to help us with the question and answer session this morning. And Thank you, Shirley. Thank you for joining.
1: Thank you, Pastor Prigi. Yeah. So the first question here is, I am a believer and I love Jesus, mm-hmm. but my parents do not follow Christianity. Would it be dishonouring parents and disobeying the Bible if I go to church and follow Jesus against their wishes?
0: Wow, that's that's a crazy question. I, I can very much relate to this person because mm-hmm. I have been there myself. There has been a phase in my life where I have felt that you know my parents don't want me to do certain things that uh, for me, they were God honoring. For me, they were. Uh, if I would not do them, it was technically disobeying God. Now, we let's assume that he or she is the only believer in that family, and that they ha- they have absolutely no support. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can become very difficult in that setup for you to continue to follow Jesus, to for you to continue to uh, go to church, for you to continue to stand up for your values. Uh, so the question is if it will be dishonoring God or dishonoring parents or if it will be disobeying God if I continue to follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, I think God uh, comes at the top. You know, Obeying God takes the top precedence at all times. Mm-hmm. If, when obeying God is the top priority, there might be times when uh, you might have to disobey the government. You know, there might be times when you might have to disobey uh, your physical earthly parents. There might be times when you have to uh, say no to your friends you know, uh, who are expecting you to behave or do something in a certain way. Uh, so at all points, obeying God will be your greatest goal in life. And because of your obedience to God, if uh, your parents are getting hurt, then uh, you have to let it be and and still continue to follow God. Having said that, Mm -hmm. uh, as young people, we take it uh, to the other extreme, where I have seen many young people saying, hey, you know what, I I want to do it this way, but my parents want it the other way. I think there there are things that don't... uh, always uh, violate your obedience to God. And if your parents expect you to do something in some way, it's perfectly fine for you to submit to them and to honor them, even if they are not believers, you know, to Mm -hmm. just honor them and respect their authority over your life. But as long as they are not expecting you to directly disobey God, They are not expecting you to worship idols. They are not expecting you to uh, marry somebody that is not in God's will for your life. They are not expecting you to, uh, you know, make a career choice or a life decision which is which you are hundred percent sure this is not God's will for my life. You know, uh, unless it's a major decision, you know, don't don't uh, sow rebellion. Rebellion never comes from God. So to the best of your ability, try to honor your parents. But when it comes to a place where you know that you have to take a stand for God, don't worry, take a stand for God and God will honor you. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. When your obe- obedience to the parents is outside of God or outside of what God expects from you, that is actually not obedience to parents. That's just you pleasing your parents and stooping down and not standing up for God. God is your ultimate father, you know. He's your ultimate parent and you know, obedience to him comes at the top. Does it make sense? Yes, it does. Okay.
1: Yeah. Moving on to the second question, is baptism necessary or optional? Okay. Will we lose our salvation or not enter heaven because I am not baptized?
0: Uh, that's, uh, that's something that we will only get the complete picture of when we do get to heaven, when we are in heaven. Uh, If uh, we don't see a lot of people, let's believe it's because they were not baptized. Just kidding. But let's let's see what the word says. The Bible Mm -hmm. says that our salvation is by faith alone, not by our works. Even baptism for that matter is works, is what we do externally. Our salvation is never because of the fact that I go to church, it's not because I'm a member in a particular denomination, it's not because I am uh, you know, uh, listening to these these sermons and I have uh, you know, done the uh, these many hours of ministry, I have gone so many places for preaching the word. Salvation is just by you believing in Jesus and I, I want to believe what the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus no matter how, no matter what you've done or not done in, in, on the earth you will end up with jesus in heaven for all eternity that's 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 what the bible says yeah. but the question is if it is optional it is definitely not optional you know uh, mm. because it's a commandment you you don't jesus is not saying oh if and if you feel like it guys you know why don't you also get mm. baptized it's not optional uh, if you have to say that it is optional everything is optional you know every, every thing in the bible uh, except faith in jesus nothing is necessary you your you going to church is not necessary you doing any ministry is not necessary nothing is necessary but if you are uh, looking at salvation if if you're asking me is salvation a com- is baptism a commandment Yes, it is. Jesus commanded it, and and we see it over and over emphasized in the scriptures. Whenever somebody got saved, the first thing that they do is to, uh, you know, get baptized. In fact, some some of the people that that I have had conversations with, some of them, the questions that they ask me is, "Hey, we've been baptized when we were children." Or we have never been unbelievers. We have been in Christian homes all of our life. This mm-hmm. is probably for uh, those coming from other religions or other faith. No, not for me. I think it is for everybody who, who gets saved. You know, mm-hmm. Did you need to get saved? Or were you a saved person? Like, were you righteous all your life? Were you a sinner at one point And did you become a saved person? Did you did you come to that point where you put your faith in Jesus? If you have not come to that point, then you're not born again, then you're not saved, then you don't need to be baptized, you know. Then it is just some water being sprinkled or uh, you're just getting dipped into water. It's not necessarily baptism, but if you have come to the place where you have put your faith in Jesus as the savior from your sin, as the person who has completely redeemed you from your past, then you have been born again and if you have been born again then it is very very necessary according to the Bible according to the teachings in the New Testament according to what Jesus taught us that you go that extra mile and you get baptized if you don't get baptized you might not necessarily lose heaven but you're you're still not lo- living your fullest potential you know you, you, mm-hmm. if uh, if i live in disobedience there is definitely you know if if there is a blessing for every everything that i obey then there is definitely a consequence for everything that i disobey mm-hmm. so if, if the question should not be is it optional the question should be is it on the heart of god for my life you know do i yeah. you know if if my wife wants me to do something irrespective of if it is necessary for me for us to do for me to do it for us to remain married just because it's on her heart because i love her and she loves me i will go ahead and do that mm-hmm. though it's not necessary it might not be a prerequisite or a condition that she says unless you uh, mm-hmm. you know stop watching television i will not remain married to you mm-hmm. you know it might not he, she might not have said it like mm-hmm. that but but if it's on her heart that i stop watching television if it's on her heart that i stop doing something so that, you know, I spend more time with her, I mm-hmm. I might as well do it, because I love her and because uh, she loves me as well. And that's the same thing with baptism. You love Jesus, go ahead and obey him 100% and, and you will never regret that decision. I mean, that's that's what I believe in and uh, that's what the Bible says. And Wow,
1: well, yeah. that's so clear. That's yeah. such a clear answer about this question. So the third question is... My church is not catering to my spiritual needs. Mm. How do I still grow in my walk with God? Uh,
0: Okay. I (laughs) I think if possible, change your church. You know, if possible, move out of your church. There's some setups where it is not possible. But if it is possible, uh, look for a church where, you know, church is supposed to be a place where not just a place where you are fed church is also supposed to be a place where you feed others you know where your callings are brought into its fullest fruition you, know. you it, it is you've got, you know there are the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that there are different callings like the Apostle, the Pastor, the Evangelist, the Prophet, the Teacher uh, and, and and different ministries in the, in the Bible, the ministry of service, the ministry of healing, the ministry of interpretation of tongues, the ministry of prophecy, the ministry of serving somebody, the ministry of giving. All of this is practiced in the in the context of uh, a local church and mm-hmm. uh, if 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 you are not being catered to, or you are not catering to someone else in your church, I think it's a uh, you are you. It's it's a it's a very dangerous place for you to be, and not necessary that you should continue there. Look for a place where you can actually be catered to, and you can cater to others. Don't ever look at church as the place where you know you will be fed. You know that's that's the major perspective that everybody goes to church to, to see okay will they sing a worship song that I like will the pastor preach a sermon that I enjoy will the ushers treat me well will will there be somebody to take care of my children you know, we all get go to church to see what I will get out of the church mm-hmm. so instead I think the perspective also needs to change to saying hey it's not just about me growing it's about seeing how I can help somebody else grow and if it's a church where my calling, my gifting, my life is not valued at all I think I'm in the wrong place you know I'm yeah. I, I'm in the... so that is my first thing if it's possible look for a better place for you to go and if it is not possible I can understand that there might be times when your when your family has been part of a church, or you're in a uh, city where there is no better church, and you're in the that's the only church, or you're bound to that place because of whatever X, Y, Z factors, and and there is no possible way for you to look for an alternate fellowship or a church. Then I think uh, you should you should come to you should understand that you still have the Holy Spirit. You know if you believe in Jesus and the Bible says that when we we believe in Jesus the holy spirit comes and resides on the inside of us and the job description of the holy spirit is to lead you into all truth the yeah. job description of the holy spirit is to teach you the job description of the holy spirit is to comfort you to guide you to be your personal private counselor yeah. to be your pastor to be your friend you know or uh, the holy spirit can replace your pastor the holy spirit can replace your church the holy spirit can replace the need of a worship a proper worship team in your church the holy spirit can replace everybody I'm not saying that if you are in a good church, you don't need the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There also it is the Holy Spirit who uses. but hey, you should understand that you have a direct access to the Holy Spirit and 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 if you can learn to just depend on God and say, Lord, I, I know that I know that the Holy Spirit is there for me. I can depend on the Holy Spirit. And if you will develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, it'll become so much more easy. And after that, You will never come to a church and say, Hey, wait, today's sermon was bad and I didn't yet get blessed. You'll always come and say, Hey, wait, it's the Holy Spirit who teaches me. Was I not listening to the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Holy Spirit can speak to me in the most deadest of churches. Why? It's not the fact that the church is alive, but the fact that I am alive, that my spirit... Has a relationship? Has the Holy Spirit can speak to me in a cemetery? You know, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can speak to me in a crowded place where nobody cares about God. The Holy Spirit can speak to me in a uh, in in the most vulgar of situations. You know, in the most you know even if I'm in a pub in a nightclub where uh, you know everybody is has lost their mind and they're all thinking worldly stuff, the Holy Spirit can still speak to me there. You know, it mm-hmm, just the question mm-hmm. is, am I alive? Is my heart alive and sensitive to God? So so if you're in a setup like that, I will ask you to pursue a very deep relationship with the Holy yeah. Spirit. Uh, even if you are in a good church, do that. But especially if you feel that you're not been fed in your church. Make sure that you run after God and if you run after God there's never a time that will that you will face where where God will not be found. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you run after him, he will open up his heart, he will speak he will teach you, he will be right there next to you, you know, teaching you personally and does it make sense and Yes, I, yes. I, I hope that I hope mm-hmm. that if you've not been, uh, been blessed, or if you've not been uh, being fed in a church that uh, if you don't know any church in your city or in your town, write to us. We can probably help you find a church. And if you if you know of a church and you're still not able to go there, you're still stuck in your existing church, I will say that, you know, you personally develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He can feed you. He can take care of you. And And I think that's the best best way wow.
1: out. Yeah. So the next question is quite interesting. Okay. And probably the most controversial subject. Okay. The Bible talks about women covering their head and women not talking in church.
0: Okay. Does that yeah. mean
1: women are not allowed to preach or teach in church?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Uh I'm sure with this answer, I'm really gonna upset a lot of people <laughs> because, because I really believe that women are allowed to preach, teach in church, um, uh, you know. And of course, we live in the New Testament church. You know, uh, there is definitely more freedom in the New Testament church than in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, Deborah was technically a leader of an entire nation. You know, she was the judge of that mm-hmm. time. You know, a judge is almost equivalent to being a king. Mm-hmm. Equivalent to be the Prime Minister of a nation. in the and, and she was a prophetess. She was the voice of God in that, in that time. Uh, you know, and this is under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, which was not, there was not too much of freedom there. It was under the law. And you are telling me that in the Old Testament, she could be a leader over an entire nation, and in the New Testament, you cannot be a pastor of over fifteen people in the church. I mean, that, that in the New Testament, there sh- there has to be more liberty, right? More yeah. freedom and yeah. and more things. And I, I think that we have inter- misinterpreted what the scriptures really mean. You know, we we are not studying it in the right context. And and so many times, we can just take one verse and derive a doctrine out of it. This mm-hmm. is how you can test something to be a doctrine or not mm. you know some things in the Bible they are not necessarily doctrines they are specific suggestions for example Paul wrote to Timothy saying hey have wine because it's good for the stomach can you can you imagine me standing up in church and teaching hey guys all those in ch- in church who don't have wine you're sinners you're disobeying God's word uh, but if you 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 think that i'm foolish because uh, that was written by paul specifically to timothy for a specific reason and i'm not sinning if i don't drink wine every day you know if i uh, you know i'm not sinning if i you know don't do the exact same specific instructions that paul wrote to timothy if i'm not following it uh, i'm not sinning because that is not a doctrinal statement you know not mm-hmm. everything that is said or wrote written is doctrines This is how you determine if something is a doctrine. Mm -hmm. For anything to be a doctrine, it has to be foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It has to be something that Jesus spoke or taught about and it has to be something that the Apostles practiced. For example, we spoke about baptism. Is baptism a doctrine? It was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It says that when they were going under the water, Uh, uh, It was the waters of baptism. It speaks about that in 1st Corinthians 10 of how the people in the Old Testament were baptized when they went into the Red Sea. Mm, uh, Did Jesus teach about it? Yes, so many times you would see Jesus, Jesus himself practiced it but he also taught, he said go and baptize and go and uh, you know uh, teach other people the same things and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and Jesus said those who believe and are baptized they will be saved. It, it was there in the teachings of Jesus. You, you go into the book of Acts and the New Testament, you will see the apostles practiced it. Everybody mm-hmm. who got saved you know, got baptized. So if, let's, let's put the same test for you know, covering of yeah. head or you know, women preaching and teaching in church. Was it there in the Old Testament? Uh, wait, no. Was it mm-hmm. there in uh, Jesus' teaching? No. Uh, were, did the apostles practice it? Not really, except Paul in certain churches with certain which had some problems. Specifically Paul wrote to some churches to Mm -hmm. to do that. But as a general rule or a general principle, you would not see that pattern. So that is, that for me is not a doctrinal issue. The same goes with everything else. Can I wear white or black in church? Mm -hmm. Can I wear ornaments? Can I, uh, you know, uh, my hair cut style, you know? Is there any particular hair cutting style that I have to follow? All of that. I think it's, uh, if you have to derive doctrine, put it to this test. Was it foreshadowed in the Old Testament? Did Jesus himself talk about it? Did the apostles practice it? if it doesn't fit the test of these three, it's not a doctrine that you have to kill yourself for. You know, just let those who are talking about it, let them talk. But you know, you can uh, grow beyond it, especially with women teaching in church. I believe that the church doesn't only need fathers, the church also need mothers. You know, women bring so much to the table that the church has been ignoring for all along. I, I know how Rashmi, when she speaks in church, she's not just preaching another sermon she is bringing her heart hmm. so many times when i am preaching i am bringing a very profound sermon or i am i am bringing teachings and points and rashmi when she is teaching it's not points it's just her heart hmm. and uh, that sparks so many people than all the big points that and and i think the church today needs that you know the church yeah. today needs uh, you know as much as people who Feel, who feel, who, who, who are emotional as much as they need people that are intellectual and logical and rational. Uh, and, and God can use uh, mothers in the church as much as God, God is already using the fathers in the, in the church. And, and let's pray that God will raise more and more mothers in the church and more and more women teachers and preachers and apostles in the church of today.
1: Amen to that.
0: Amen, Amen.
1: Moving on to the next question. As a believer, is mm-hmm. it wrong to live a luxurious lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, I, I, I will, it's a very, very tricky question to answer and I hope that I don't um, upset some people. You know, luxury is very relative. You know, what is luxury for me might not be luxury for you yeah right so uh, for example uh, ha- owning a private jet is a luxury for me right now you know but i know of people i know of uh, of pastors or of leaders for whom that is a necessity that is not a luxury they cannot do what they are called to do if they don't have a private jet, you know, they'll be like all over the place, just losing their health and losing their... There are people who travel like, you know, 350 out of 365 days, God bless them with a luxury, you know, private jet. Now for me, that is a luxury because I don't travel 350 days in a year but there are people who travel three 350 days in a year and and if they have a have a private jet they can travel whenever they want to they don't have to wait for the uh, the the transit they don't have to w- go through that stress every time they travel they don't have to you know be in that in the uh, co- be caught up in that jet lag every time they travel and i i think that it differs from person to person Mm. But I am all for believing that God doesn't want to live, God doesn't want to uh, see you live a poor lifestyle, you know, God doesn't want to see you live like a poor person. If, If anything, God wants to see your needs being met. If anything, God wants to see that that all, uh, that, that all your life you are living to, your full, to the fullest of your potential. Let me read this verse from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 4. I'm going to actually preach about this in church this weekend. The Bible says, this is God commanding the Israelites. The, God is saying, there should be no poor among you. Uh, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land that He is giving you as a special position. God is not saying, please try your best that there is no poor among God is saying, God is giving them a commandment. There should be no poor among you. Which means that, hey the same god who said there should be no immoral people among you god is saying yeah. there should be no poor among you mm-hmm. in the new testament church you will see that they literally put that into practice they sold their own properties and they they sold everything possible to make sure that there is no one among them who had a need there was nobody among them who whose children couldn't go to school or whose whose uh, you know uh, hospital bills couldn't be paid there was not a single person with need and i think we should as a church we should pursue a lifestyle where we uh, there is no poor people among us there is uh, no um, unmet need among our believers uh, we should pursue that lifestyle but at any given point of time when that when that lifestyle becomes just just uh, just something that you're doing to meet your greed you know you mm-hmm. you you have to. I think that's something that you can say yourself. You know, when you're praying, and you know, um, I think better, better still is for you to ask your wife or your husband. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there are so many times when I know that mm, I I feel that I really need something, and then Rashmi tells me, "No, you are greedy. You're you're not satisfied with what you have," and and uh, and and it really helps for me to just. Uh, put myself to that test and to you know uh, re uh, reevaluate my spending and that really really helps and
1: so that's all for this week's question answer session. Thank you everybody for joining in today. I was so Thank
0: you Shirley thank you for hosting this podcast yeah, I'm and thank personally you for
1: very blessed by yeah. the question answer session. If you have any questions email them to info at pastorbridgegie.com. And if you are blessed, take a moment to share, comment and let us know your feedback. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.